Welcome to Radio BX, the podcast of the Building Energy Exchange, where we discuss sustainability and energy efficiency in the built environment. This year, the theme of Radio BX is Made in New York, the people, projects, and policies that represent the cutting edge in New York's movement to decarbonize buildings. A natural extension of our core mission to foster dialogue among the entire community that impacts the performance of buildings, Radio BX is made possible through the generous support of our 2022 sponsor, National Grid. I'm your host, Yatza Frank, and I'll be talking with leaders who are driving positive change across the country and abroad. So stay engaged and join the conversation each month with some of the most compelling people in our field. Welcome to Radio BX. I'm Yatza Frank, uh, your host today, and we are joined by Michael Izzo from Heinz Real Estate. Uh, Heinz, uh, of course, is a name in our sector that precedes itself. They're a firm that has prioritized uh, sustainability in various ways for uh, almost six decades. Um, They now have over 160 million in assets under management um, and you know have garnered over the years a whole host of awards and commendations for their work in the field of sustainability too many to list here um, in recent years uh, they were the Gresb global sector leader for four years in a row which is a pretty remarkable accomplishment uh, and Gresba recognized them recently. Uh, their European core fund is the most sustainable diversified portfolio fund in Europe. And as part of their overall commitment to ESG strategy, they have set a net zero operational carbon target by 2040, which is also quite aggressive and quite singular in our market, especially in the U.S., Key to this decarbonization focus has been elevating Mike Izzo to Vice President of Carbon Strategy, and we are looking forward to speaking with him today. Michael, welcome to Radio BX. Glad to be here. Thank you. Mike, you studied mechanical engineering at RPI. How did you choose that major, and and did you know then that you wanted to focus on sustainability or environmental issues? A um, little fun fact, I actually started as a computer science major, uh, took computer science classes and in high school, realized very quickly that um, I didn't have the tedious skill set that a computer programmer needed. So jumped out of that midway through and, and focused on mechanical engineering. Engineering for me was not a conscious decision. It was almost a subconscious decision, just given my background. Um, the The most frequent questions for me as a child was, why or how, um, as my father is a, a mechanic and working around the shop with him. So I always had that sort of instinct to go into that field, and it was never really a choice. It was just sort of destined. As far as the environmental you know, issues, probably three years ago, I didn't even think I had a role to play in what we're talking about today. Um, but environmental was always drilled into my head, whether it's the upbringing of Italian immigrants coming over, and my grandmother still has wastewater buckets underneath uh, the gutters to to water the, the garden because it's more environmentally friendly. But in the end, I think the environment was right below family and friends. Um, so I always had that subconscious drive in order to try to make a better place uh, for everybody. And you, that's great. I mean, and you did this sort of career transition from a kind of classic engineering firm, AKF, um, who we know well and admire, 
um, to working for Heinz. Kind of tell us about that transition in your career. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we have a lot of time, but the <laughs> graduated obviously looking for a job in the city in 2005 and landed at, at AKF, did the design route for a while, realized uh, I wanted to see different aspects of the industry, so moved to BR Plus A, which is another great firm, but more focused on the construction side, then to Memorial Sloan Kettering as an owner-operator. I think all those things have given me the visibility in order to look at things much more holistically. And I think that's super important. If you equate it to sort of the hotel model, you cannot manage a hotel unless you go through every single um, aspect of the hotel, whether it's front of house, dry cleaning, housekeeping, et cetera, before you can actually manage the hotel. I think it's super important to understand the different viewpoints within real estate. And also coming from the hospital and laboratory side, coming to commercial real estate was sort of like, oh, this is easy. Uh, so yeah, energy was super important in the hospital because it was such a high cost. Um, so I think some of the things we did there on the innovation side were quite remarkable compared to what commercial real estate's looking at. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because this is this sector is so diverse and the the backgrounds of the various people um, that are involved in decision making. That if you want to change minds, you have to bring them along. Um, and I think you're having sat in a number of those seats and close to so many of those seats must be a real asset to you in, in this business. Definitely. And coming to Heinz was sort of, uh, no, you know, nothing great happens with just one event. I uh, was fortunate enough to meet someone, I call him a peer or a friend at this point, um, was, was in tune that I was ready for sort of my next move and said, just go talk to Heinz. You have to talk to them. They're different. I can't explain why, but trust me, they're different. So not wanting to burn a bridge, I kept that number for about eight months. And then finally, I, I made the phone call and just the needs within the New York office. We had just won the Hudson Square portfolio. They were staffing up quite aggressively um, and landed in, in that seat. And that was very important for my career from a Heinz point of view because I wasn't off. I, I joined as a construction manager, but I wasn't off on some site, you know, just building one building. It was looking at a portfolio more strategically at a high level, jumping in where there were holes and really trying to drive change um, on this blank canvas that we had called Hudson Square Properties. Yeah. And now you, this current role, Vice President Carbon Strategy, um, which was essentially created either for you or, 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 or didn't exist before you, you filled it. Um, you know, tell us about the creation of that role and, and how that's kind of um, manifesting itself in your day-to-day -day work. Yeah, Heinz was um, already in tune that we needed to redefine what sustainability was for the firm. And there was a whole set of um, strategic work streams going on at the time I was in the New York office. And some of those were, how do we transition from sustainability to ESG? There was all these frameworks set up and, and focus committees, uh, which I happen to be on some of the subcommittees. And it was, you know, what does the future of sustainability look like for Heinz? At the same moment, <clears throat> we were working in Hudson Square um, and very aggressive climate legislation comes down the, the, the pike. So we took a step back and said to ourselves in the New York office, um, what are we going to do here? Are we going to build the last great building um, or the last old building, I should say? <laughs> or, or are we going to be more proactive and progressive and try to tackle this challenge head on? So that sort of caught wind of 
uh, our folks down in Central and the, the expertise that we had there because I brought everyone along mm. on some of our new development existing assets. Um, so what Heinz really understood very early on is that we needed to change and that we needed someone focused on this topic, otherwise it wouldn't get uh, done. You can't manage what you don't measure. Yeah. Um, so that's how sort of the role was created and, and I was brought over. Yeah. What does a day look like at your desk? I mean, you probably you have to work with so many different departments within Heinz, and it's not like uh, someone calls from outside Heinz and says, "I need to talk to the carbon guy." <laughs> like that's not that's not how work lands at your desk. So so how do you actionalize the strategy that you help set up with your peers, and then and then how do you work with those departments to kind of make that happen? Organized chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I look at it in, in two sort of directions. One is that we need to build the foundation and structure within Heinz in order to be successful. I think that's so important. It's not the flashy stuff, but it's the stuff that we need to do um, to really build that strong backbone that we can leverage. Same way, you know, the vertical integration of the firm and the, the history and legacy of the firm has built been built on sustainability, but also this vertical integration where we're the expertise top to bottom from an investment point of view all the way down to the asset level. Um, so a lot of the day is spent on that foundational implementation change. Um, a lot of the day is also on the aspirational side. How do we, you know, who are the thought-provoking partners that we need to engage with to really push our thinking and push ourselves quite a bit? And then it's all the other stuff, whether it's dealing with investors um, or webinars or, or other media-facing uh, things, but yeah, earlier this year, I really made it a point to block out a couple of days, really just to focus on strategy, clear the mind and clear the plate, because I think that's so important. Yeah. It's really interesting that you mention vertical alignment and that that is, that's really baked into the, the, the foundations <laughs> at Heinz. I remember uh, learning, I mean, this was probably 15 years ago now or something that Heinz um, had as part of their environmental strategy had effectively elevated their building operations managers I don't know if that's exactly what they call it but to the same level of hierarchy in the firm as the leasing manager which in most real if you don't people don't know like in most real estate orgs the leasing manager kind of rules the roost it's his building their building his or her building um, and the the operations person is kind of you know kept in the basement <laughs> and called when something breaks and them elevating that person and putting the kind of energy, you know, them responsible for energy on the P&L for the building was a huge change. And it's really interesting to, to hear that being, um, that attitude still being carried through today in decision-making. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best days I've had at Heinz was uh, we were looking at a project that it was a very quick sort of, look, we need to provide an answer in about a day or two, literally. So you saw the whole office come together, everyone from the engineering level all the way up to the head of the New York office. And there were probably 30 people in the conference room and the office was just buzzing um, with collaborative work. It was one of the sort of emblematic days, I'll say, of Heinz, really this open door policy, this collaboration, and how do we engage everyone's thoughts so we come out with a better product? That's great. Um, and I think that sort of collaboration and that attitude is probably one of the reasons uh, Heinz has felt comfortable uh, um, committing to this net zero operational carbon target by 2040, 
What was the process for the company kind of aligning around that goal and, and how did how did it how did what was the genesis of that becoming the target? It was a long process actually. We I joined in um, the end of 2020 and we realized early on that we needed to um, really get up to speed quite quickly on what a right target for for Heinz might be and we proposed a target and actually the uh, executive committee told us to to go back and be more ambitious um, so we set out this 60 to 90 day study really laying out all the framework looking at what does the data architecture need to be? What decisions do we need to make? What are the best in class solutions today? How can they be applied at scale? And really took a very deep dive, or I'd say a very wide approach um, and go deep where we needed to in order to provide the biggest uh, transparency to the firm on what we were getting into. And then from there, we actually went to each region. So we have uh, seven or eight regional businesses, depending on how you count it. Um, each region and had a, a very deep sort of two-hour session on on this topic and we actually heard from the firm this target people wanted to be more ambitious we wanted to be a leader but we also wanted to be backed by science and reality and, and practicality and, and that's how we came up with the, the 2040 target so it wasn't something that we just you know we were asking really t tough questions to our consultants, and we actually didn't think one consultant could do it, so we hired three um, <laughs> and collaborated together, and we were asking questions that they couldn't answer, but we, we pushed them as hard as we could and, and came up with something that we think uh, we can definitely achieve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is really, it, it, it's a tricky balance in public-facing corporations uh, to set progressive targets, because you do not want to miss in front of the public. And so it has to be aggressive, but it has to be achievable as well. And that's a, always a fine balance. Um, uh, on the subject of balances, how do you balance, you know, Heinz uh, is, is largely a purveyor of commercial real estate, which means you have uh, many thousands of customers, tenants. Um, how do you balance setting a target like that with the goals of your tenants? Did you talk to the tenants as all as part of that process? And Because um, their goals may not align always. They might have different targets. Um, how do you balance all of that? Well, we took a, a look at our, our top investors and our top tenants and more than we had expected have a, a alignment with with a net zero goal. So that was quite pleasing. Our tenants probably more so than our investors, although our investors are moving very quickly. Um, but yeah, we, we see the pressure from, from all fronts. And for us, it's, you know, we are the expertise within the market. So people look to us for the answers and it's not forcing people to align with what we believe, but it's educating them. I think people with the same amount of information make better decisions in the end of the day. Um, so for us, it's really being that, that leadership and thought partner and really showing people what the art of the possible is yeah. and, and how they might be able to achieve it. Lots of other orgs are, you know, some real estate, some corporate are, are setting similar, if not exactly the same uh, goals. I imagine you looked at how they're approaching meeting targets like this? What makes Heinz's approach sort of different from, from other folks, do you think, out there trying to, trying to reach this kind of aggressive target? I think it dates back to sort of the founding of, of the firm by a mechanical engineer. I mean, sustainability was always embedded out of necessity and really making better buildings. And we see this as 
the next step in making better buildings? What's the new sort of, we'll call it class A sustainability? What's the new market norm? Um, so for us, our expertise in vertical integration really gives us a, a leg up. Um, and a lot of what we've seen in the market has been great and really, I would say, top-down level guidance. But I think what differentiates Heinz is really that bottom-up level execution um, that, that we've been known for for quite some time and our integrity and many other things that we really want to drive transparency in order to compare apples to apples. Right now, there's a lot of opaqueness within the market that we're, we're trying to cut through. But I think really that transparency, integrity, and expertise at the ground level is what's going to separate us. Yeah. No, it seems like the firm is very good at connecting big moves like um you know one of the you know one of the things that i think is impressive at the top level is are things like elevating your head of es your global head of esg reporting directly to your chief investment officer global um not a lot of orgs are doing that um which is great but you connect that often to that as you say that kind of team that's executing um all of that stuff yeah and sneak preview i can't share it now but in a few weeks you'll you'll hear much more news along that front which will be quite quite impressive and and uh quite leading within the market can't wait when you're looking at things like local on 97 obviously that only impacts directly one market how do you sort of price in to your planning that other markets might do something similar like did you did you set like an internal carbon uh, price uh, as part of your strategy to see you know what, what is it going to cost us to run this portfolio over time or how, to, how did you deal with that not at the moment we're, we're looking at carbon pricing and I think through better data we'll actually be able to synthesize what our just natural cost of carbon is um, but there's tools like CREM, which, uh, you know, provide a rough guidance of what the carbon tax uh, might be for an asset or a portfolio. I think for Local Law 97, it was a platform for us to stand on. I wouldn't say it really drives us. There's a lot of, you know, pressing legislation across the market. Um, and our goal is to align not only with a one and a half degree scenario, but to move that up to 2040. So I would say that Local Law 97 probably isn't aggressive enough for, for our targets yeah. uh, as it's aligned more with a two-degree seed scenario. Yep. I mean, we're, we've been looking at that specifically, and that is just the reality that Local Law 97 is simultaneously the most aggressive legislation in the U.S. and not nearly aggressive enough to get us to one and a half. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that regulation I mean, I think what we can expect is that that's going to get tuned even more aggressively across in New York and elsewhere to meet that one and a half target. Yeah, and it's not the most aggressive legislation we probably have. I mean, with a lot of assets in Europe and what they're doing there and the EU taxonomy, et cetera, looking at it from a portfolio level, but then drilling down asset by asset and then drilling down by the capex in that asset. So yep. that's some of the ways we're evaluating our portfolio as well. What's the process by which you go from the overarching portfolio-wide goal to what that means on an asset-by-asset -asset basis? How do you determine what you're doing in each building? Hydes is a very um, sort of central and regional structure, and I think that, that helps us quite a bit. We can set the strategies at the corporate level, obviously with close collaboration with the execution partners on the ground, which are our regions, and they're the expertise in the market. Um, and really understand their buildings like the back of their hand. So working in close collaboration with them, but also 
giving them the tools that are required, the data, the insights on where to focus, where to start, and, and how to mitigate is, is sort of that on-the-ground experience that I talk about. These top-level strategies are great, but without that bottom-level execution arm, which we have very strongly within our regions, um, it becomes difficult. Yeah. I'm curious also when you're both, yeah, I don't know, at the strategic level and maybe even when you're when you're starting to help regions um, execute, like what what are the kind of really important external partners that you use to to kind of make that sort of work happen? Everyone's on the table. I mean, <laughs> we're looking at every work stream you can imagine. So it's the typical design partners. I think it's more of the um, partners who have a much more global view to look at disruptive innovation and technology because you know we assume that we live in this very small world called New York but in reality there's many novel and amazing solutions out there that can be applied across the board whether it's on the embodied carbon side or whether it's on the operational carbon side so connecting those dots is what we talk about internally connect those dots and really try to get them to scale because one by one it won't work but if we can connect the dots and scale quickly then that's a much more uh, impactful uh, way forward. Yeah. When a lot of commercial real estate orgs are trying to connect those dots uh, and sort of implementing really significant demand reduction strategies, um, this is a big challenge in commercial real estate, especially in New York. We have a low vacancy rate. We have it's costly. There's a lot of tenant disruption. Like, and so a lot of orgs end up relying on uh, on offsets of renewables and carbon offsets and stuff to meet that goal. How, how will Heinz sort of avoid that fate, do you think? Uh, at the moment, we're aligning with science-based target. We're going through the application process now. But upholding our reputation is, is number one, and everyone from the firm when we did those interviews and, and workshops has, uh, has wanted to align with that. And I think that's very important to us. Again, transparency comes up all the time. Um, and, and there's a lot of noise within the industry. There's a lot of uncertainty, but you know, we know where we're going and where we're headed and what we need to do. Uh, we know the path will be not so straightforward, but, but we know that there are certain principles that we won't sort of misalign with. Um, so for us, I think almost we'd rather miss our goals than than just cover it up with, say, some marketing material. Right. <laughs> right. The other thing that Heinz has to balance is responding to both transition risk, kind of net zero operational carbon, and physical risk, kind of mitigating against climate change impacts. I mean, when it's funny to think back, because when I sort of started my own career like 25 years ago, the, those were in competition with one another. Like we can't talk about um, adapting; we still have to mitigate. <laughs> and now, you know, for better or worse, we're in a situation where you just have to do both at the same time. <laughs> how does Heinz sort of balance those things? How does how does it make pri- prioritize uh, capital expenditures uh, on on those two two somewhat? They're competing for capital. Um, so how do, how do you resolve that? Well, it comes down to sort of our investment process. And like I said, we're trying to give the most uh, up-to-date and transparent information to assess those risks at the time that a deal goes through, not necessarily after the fact. So competing for capital, I think, happens when you don't have any capital to address it. Um, So I think those are legacy issues. But into the future, we are addressing those risks. We're aligning with TCFD and many other frameworks in order to provide very... um, 
a bit of information on both transition and uh, climate-related risks, wherever the asset might be. Yeah. And looking at asset-level strategies, like what are, what are some of the things that you're really excited about right now that you're, you're implementing or looking forward to implementing soon? We believe that a uh, circular economy will be the way f forward, um, especially in, in many markets like New York where there haven't been many constraints. So uh, how do we reuse what we already have? How do we upcycle, recycle um, what we already have? And that to us is, you know, the, the future of buildings is going to be flexible and circular. Um, so those types of strategies, it's not necessarily a technology, et cetera. It's really high-level strategies on how do we reduce the demand to as low as possible with the materials and resources we already have. And what do you feel like are the biggest challenges facing, I don't know, Heinz, but the industry overall in the next few years? Yeah, that's a loaded question. I mean, if you asked that two years ago, it would be completely different. But I think there's a lot of uh, uncertainty in the market, not only from an ESG perspective, but from an economical perspective, political uncertainty, there's, I think there's uncertainty everywhere. And if you look at the, the climate change issue, it's one of the worst problems that, that human society can solve because of its uncertainty, because of its cost avoidance, you know, being capital intensive, we'll say, and because we tend to discount future gains much more drastically than, than uh, short-term gains. So, so that, uh, I think is very difficult, and we'll see how tenants, investors, and the market responds, and, and the media as well, uh, as we move forward on this topic. It's very complex, it's, it's very difficult, and, and that's what creates, I think, the uncertainty or complexity of it all. Yeah, definitely. And in the face of those challenges, like who or what is kind of giving you hope or inspiration right now? Um, I can't believe I've gone through the whole conversation without talking about the Nordics, but for me, that was the the inspiration that really turned me on. I said early on that I didn't think I have a had a role to play in this. Um, and when getting exposed to that culture, um, very quickly I understood how much sophisticated the level of thinking was compared to, say, the U.S. or, or other parts of, of the world. So for me, there's always inspiration there, especially in the innovation. Going back to you know, why I became an engineer, my, my family would uh, make fun of me in that I thought German engineering was the greatest engineering uh, across the globe and was really fascinated by it. And I'm even more fascinated by the innovation within the Nordic countries. But I would say too that the inspiration also comes from within Heinz. Uh, we're pushing on a learning and development curriculum internally. And we had a sort of project at the end of our cohort. And some of the solutions that came up there were quite amazing. Um, so, you know, it's about connecting those dots, getting the right people to focus on the right thing, and getting people dedicated to the problem at hand that really will push us forward. That's great. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem at all. Great to be here. Thanks a lot.